Welcome to the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champions Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. Well, as you know, there has been a great deal of discussion following the recommendations by the Commission on College Basketball. We've been trying to take a look, an in-depth look, um, since the, the day that those recommendations came out and see exactly what it might mean for the world of intercollegiate athletics. And we're delighted to have with us as our guest today, Blake James who gives us a varied perspective on all of this, the athletic director at the University of Miami, also a member of the Division I Board of Directors and the chair of the Division I Council. So, Blake, welcome to you. And you've got all sorts of hats that you're wearing when it comes to, to these issues. Uh, my first question to you is, is this. When you heard that this commission was going to be impaneled, what sort of expectations did you have for it back then? Well, you know, Jack, I think I was still in shock with just the news that came out at, at the time there at the end of September. And so, again, credit to President Emmert. I think he moved very quickly. And so um, I thought was something significant needed to be done. And as I looked at the group that was identified, I felt it really was a group that could really help make change to college basketball and in some ways college athletics. I want to get to some of the specifics in a moment. But generally speaking, when you heard the the, the uh, recommendations, Dr. Rice outlined them uh, for us in a, in a large gathering, um, and then there were some question and answers that took place, and, and now uh, we're hearing more and more as we talk with members of the commission. Were you at all surprised at the extent, just generally speaking, at the extent and the nature of the recommendations that they came up with? Not the majority. Again, I think a, a lot of what was brought forward by the commission uh, is, is, again, as I think all of us athletic directors started really thinking over the last few months uh, as to what would the commission come up with. I, I think they uh, identified a lot of areas that uh, needed to be addressed and, and that I, I feel confident that we will. Um, and at the same time, credit to them, I, I think they did think outside the box and there were some areas that they touched on that uh, I guess I'll say for me personally, I, I, I didn't think of at the time. But but as, I, as I've digested and had a chance, uh, you know, a few hours now to, to think about what's out there, again, I think there are ideas that uh, are good for college athletics and, and specifically men's basketball. I'm interested on your perspective again, uh, your varied perspectives, I should say, uh, with regard to a, a number of the issues that have been addressed here. Uh, let me run down some of them and, and get your sense of them. The, the, the one-and-done issue, as it's popularly referred to, uh, was just a part of, of the fabric, if you will, of, of the recommendations here. But it's certainly the part that has garnered a lot of attention. I think that's just about all the headlines I've seen so far start off with the, the one-and-done recommendation to, to do away with. The, the curious irony is it, that very few institutions really have to deal with that. I'm, I was trying to think before you came in here whether Miami has had a one-and-done basketball player at all recently, and I, I, I couldn't come up with, with any. But... So it's a very small percentage of players, and yet it gets outsized coverage by both the media and, I think, by members of the public. That being said, what, what's your sense then of the recommendation that has been made here to, to reach out to the NBA? Because as you know, a lot of people don't. This is an NBA rule. It's not an NCAA rule. What, what, what's, what do you think of the recommendation that says let's, let's, let's do away with that and, as part and parcel, let's give – players an opportunity if they are not drafted and they don't sign a professional contract to come back to school and play. 
Yeah, a, a couple of thoughts, uh, Jack. Actually, for the first time this year, we've had a, a one and done. That's Lonnie right. Walker, That's right. uh, yep. again, declared for the draft, who was a, a freshman uh, for us and had an outstanding freshman year. Um, my thought is we needed to have this opportunity for young men to go play professionally if college wasn't the right choice for them. And unfortunately, there wasn't another choice uh, in the current model other than to go to college. And so I think it, uh, I'm glad to hear that the NBA and the NBA Players Association have come out now and said that they're going to uh, look to change this. I, I do think it's it's the right thing to uh, it's the right thing to do. I, at, the, at the same time, I think we have to uh, recognize through the commission report, I, the opportunity will be there for high schoolers to go to the NBA draft if that's what they feel is best for them and play ultimately professional, whether that's the NBA or or some other league. Um, at the same time, we'll still have potentially freshmen, sophomores, juniors um, that could decide that it's the right time for them to go. I know they uh, debated back and forth quite a bit with the baseball model, which you can be drafted out of high school, and if you don't sign, then it's uh, three years. And, and they felt uh, it was best not to keep someone in school who felt they were NBA ready and wanted to go. And, and again, I think that's the the, the right ap- approach. And so, again, I agree with the uh, commission there on, on what they've put forward for us to put in place. Um, but I think most importantly, uh, they've pushed the NBA and the NBA Players Association to uh, recognize and support that uh, college isn't the right choice for everyone. And, and for some, uh, their interest really is to only play basketball as much as a, as an administrator and, and, and someone who believes in, in, in education and, and earning your college degree. Uh, it isn't the choice that uh, everyone wants to make. And, and some, uh, maybe college just isn't the right spot for them. And so, again, I think this will help. Um, as you touched on, it's really a, a minority of our students. Uh, as, as I said earlier, we've only had one and actually just this year with one and done. I'm sure there's a lot of programs in the country who have never had one. Uh, again, I think we have 371 or 372 uh, Division One basketball programs, not to mention how many are in Division Two and Division Three. And, and so, again, this was something that was really to address a small minority. But I think the media and, and, and again, I think the general public through the media really have looked at it as it's the, it's the, uh, an issue on the on the forefront for us, so I I do think it helps. But if it was if that was the one recommendation that they would come back from, we'd be far from fixing all the problems in college athletics. So it, it was a step. It was something that I, I think will help. Um, but it was just a small piece of us really addressing I think the bigger issues that we have going on. From your perspective now as an athletic director, I would imagine that there are going to be coaches out there who are will not be as happy with this the notion of saying all right. Let a player declare for the draft. If they're not drafted, let them come back. Because it may well be, knowing you can come back, you'll have more players declare for the draft. Now, this is coupled with the idea of hopefully they're getting better advice on this. But let's say you have more players declaring for the draft, which creates enormous uncertainty for, for a college basketball coach. Not being sure, who do I have coming back? What do I have to recruit to fill whatever slots? Do I bring in another point guard? So I'm not sure if this point guard is leaving. Um, would you imagine that it's going to be a bit of a problem to, to sell coaches on that part? 
I think it's going to create some different challenges. And I don't know if, if the uh, if it would be a problem selling coaches, because I think the vast majority of our coaches really want what's best for the young men in their program, whether that's to continue on with the program and getting their degree or if it's to go and, and play professionally. Uh, I think where the challenge comes is the roster management uh, aspect, and you touched on it, and we face it in baseball right now. Again, we'll have a, a baseball draft coming up in June, and uh, I know at the uh, University of Miami we've signed a, a number of kids, and I'm sure some of them will be drafted, and, and our coaches will be trying to figure right. out which ones are. Traditionally great baseball program at right. Miami. Right. Right, and, and, and one that uh, you have to roster manage. So I do think there will be some challenges on that front, but I don't think we'll have to sell coaches because I haven't I have never worked with a coach that doesn't want what's best for um, the young man or young woman in their program. And uh, in this case, the young men in men's basketball, I think our coaches, uh, it may not be the ideal situation with them not knowing if, if a, a young man's coming back or not. Uh, but I think they'll be supportive of it because I think it's better than a situation where you have someone declare and then they don't get drafted and, and it doesn't turn out the way that they would like. In some ways, I hope we can take what we learned through this process with basketball and figure out a way maybe to even help it in football. I, I know, again, I can speak at the University of Miami. We've, we've had individuals declare for the draft and uh, either go undrafted or, or drafted much later than what they anticipated. And uh, you would have liked to have been able to have them come back and, and finish their collegiate experience. And uh, unfortunately, the way it's set up, that isn't allowed. And so, again, I think this will be good for men's basketball. And, and hopefully it's something we can even learn from what we put in place and maybe carry it over to a, a, another sport. I think probably one of the other headlines coming out of this will be the notion of, of affecting change in what's been described as non-scholastic basketball, you know, the, the summer basketball events, if you will. Were you at all surprised at how far this commission went on, on saying, you know what, we have to create a new model, and maybe it's an NCAA-sanctioned and run model, um, but that it's, it's going to have to entail cooperation by the apparel companies, more transparency by the apparel companies, and perhaps a rule that says college coaches can't attend these events unless the events are transparent themselves. That was a, it seemed like a pretty significant leap for them to take. Honestly, I think this is the biggest one, and I think it's the one that needed to be addressed most. And I guess what I would say, Jack, my initial thought is, and obviously we have a lot to go through this. As you touched on, uh, the apparel companies uh, need to be bought into this. Uh, I think we have to create partnerships with USA Basketball and the NBA uh, to really look at how do we best create the situation. And, And I guess I wouldn't rule out that we wouldn't go further than what the commission's even recommended. And again, that can apply to any area. But I think specifically to the non-scholastic basketball area, I think it's important for us to really take back uh, the evaluation periods that our coaches are involved in. I'll I'll say summer basketball, but summer basketball is going to continue to operate regardless of whatever structure we set up. But I do think if we have a structure that's set up that's in coordination with the apparel companies the NBA, the NBA Players Association, USA Basketball, I think many of the groups that the commission touched on today, and that we then create those events that are the certified events that our coaches are at, again, I think we'll better position college basketball, and we will cut out a lot of the the issues that I think are really plaguing uh, the men's basketball programs right now. And so, again, that's an area where I'm not surprised at uh, what the commission uh, has recommended. Um, At the same time, I wouldn't rule out uh, that maybe there isn't even more um, changes beyond what the commission's recommended that, you know, we'll look to put in place. But uh, we have a a great group in place that's going to really look to uh, coordinate those relationships and and coordinate that structure and then create a plan to to how we're going to operationalize what we put in place. 
My guess would be, and let me ask you again your perspective as an athletic director, if you think I'm right, my guess would be the vast majority of college coaches, and again, let, let's stress, the vast majority of college coaches do the right thing in the right fashion for the right reasons, and I think it's important that people understand that. I agree with you completely, Jack. Yeah, I mean, again, I think the majority of individuals we have out there in the association are doing things the right way, doing things with the best interest of the young men in their program, and, and unfortunately, you get a, a few individuals that, yeah. in, in many ways, create a, a bad name for many. Right. And, and again, you know, my business journalism tends to focus on the few bad actors as opposed to all the marvelous participants, coaches, and student athletes that are out there. In, in having talked to a few college basketball coaches about this, my guess would be, and, and you, please tell me if you think I'm right, that the vast majority of them would be saying, you know what, I'd be happy with less events where some of them are shady and I don't know who I'm talking to or who I have to talk to to get close to this kid. And if I've got events that I know are sanctioned by the NCAA and have transparency, my guess the coaches would say, look, maybe not as many opportunities to see a kid play, but they're better opportunities. Do you, do you think that might be so? I think that's definitely the case. Again, we're hearing it. You, you talked earlier about the different hats that I wear, and uh, we just passed some early recruiting uh, changes in, in Division One council meeting just last week, and, and that's addressing sports other than basketball and football. But we're hearing from the Coaches Association that in some ways they need help uh, in 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 what they've created themselves, and and they want that structure. And so, as you said, I, I think the vast majority of our men's basketball coaches would fully support uh, these types of changes and this type of structure, and and really putting out there for them a coordinated effort through USA Basketball, the NBA, the apparel companies, and of course the NCA. Let me go back to something that, that we touched on before. And when we were talking about the idea of, of one and done and, and hopefully getting the NBA and the NBA Players Association to buy into doing away with that, one of the comments that Dr. Rice made at the time is, look, if they don't, because there's some reasons why they might, might not, especially the, the union. Um, but if they don't, Dr. Rice said, well, we might look to some other things and mentioned the notion of freshman ineligibility. Now, I played at a time where freshmen were not eligible. Back in the early 70s, I'm playing football at Yale. We, everybody had full freshman teams. We had 110 guys on my freshman football team. We had an eight-game schedule, um, and it wasn't, you didn't get to play varsity until your sophomore year. I've always thought there was a value to it. Uh, it gave you a chance to settle in, to become a college student, uh, to figure out all that you need to figure out as a freshman, academically, athletically. But my question is, if, and this is speculative, but if they, they were suggesting that, if for whatever reason the NBA and the NBA Players Association say we can't go along with doing this, um, is that doable today? Do you think, I mean, as an administrator, would you be able to, at the University of Miami, create freshman athletic teams? Is it doable? <laughs> that's <laughs> always that, a tough question to yeah, ask an athletic a, director. That's a tough, it's a tough question. Is it, is it doable? I think it has to be if it's what we decide mm. has to be done to save the game. And so, again, I think we, we took steps, and, and I think the Rice Commission touched on the need to, in many ways, save the game. And I don't know if those are the exact words they use, but I'll, I'll use them. If it's what we need to do, then I don't think we have any choice. And so we find ways to we find ways to do things in college athletics, whether that's build new buildings, um, pay higher salaries, <laughs> uh, would, would travel abroad, whatever it is. I think as an association, we've continued to change, and a lot of those changes are really for the benefit of the students in the in the in the in our programs. Um, but if this was a change we had to make, 
because it's what was best for men's basketball or college athletics, I don't think we have any choice but to say it is doable. One of the other areas of emphasis here was the, the notion of enhancing penalties uh, for violations. And as Dr. Rice mentioned, the, the, a major concern here, and it's across the board, is to making sure that there, there is a level playing field. So that, the, as you and I talked about, the vast majority of, people, of the people who are doing it right uh, are not at a disadvantage to the small percentage that'll cut corners and flat out violate rules uh, on the theory that the cost of violating the rules is not outweighed by the benefits of violating rules. Um, so, and the, the suggested increases are substantial. I sat on the Division I Committee on Infractions for a number of years, and, and I wrestled with, a, as a public member, wrestled with a lot of the, the, the sanctions approach that was put together by the members. Now they're talking about significantly enhanced penalties. And what I found is, interestingly, that most institutions were full on board saying, sanctions, sanctions, if they're, it's proven, absolutely, except if it's us. And that's human nature, I think. Yeah. So how do you think, again, from your perspective, let's talk about now on the Division I Council, because now you're the chair of administrators. How do you think that the notion of enhancing those penalties will be received? I think right now the initial reaction will be everyone will be supportive of it because they, they recognize it's a recommendation from the, the Rice Commission uh, given the situation, uh, I think everyone recognizes there needs to be change. I think where the challenge comes is where is the feeling in the room in three years, five years? As, as time goes by, as you know, it tends to heal and, and, and people tend to forget where you were at. And so I think right now everyone will be on board. And so for me as the chair, it probably won't be as, as big of a task as to what are the reactions in the room three years down the road, five years down the road, ten years down the road. And so I think that's, that's where the challenge really is going, to, is going to come because I think initially it'll be hard for anyone to argue, argue against what the commission has put out there. Obviously you have a credible group of, of, of leaders, uh, not only in college athletics, but uh, obviously someone like uh, Condoleezza Rice, a worldwide leader. And, and so uh, I, I do think there will be support of, of those changes right now. I think where the interesting part will come is down the road as people forget where we were at and, and administrators change and jobs are handed off uh, if, if there's a different feel or different perspective at that time. Do you feel, um, in, you talk about down the road, and, and one of the things, again, that Dr. Rice talked about is, is and you and I have mentioned, is, is the, the path from recommendation to implementation and, and how it can be fraught with obstacles. There is a, a, a fairly, um, I think, um, op optimistic view in terms of getting things done right now. The idea is to have proposed regulations in effect by August. Right? That's just a few months down the road and get things implemented. As you know, the NCA structure, by its nature, and, and, and perhaps rightly so, doesn't allow necessarily for speed in the decision-making process. There are 1,100 member institutions, uh, and the, the governance is done by those member institutions. So my question to you is, are you optimistic that these changes, then they're fairly sweeping, mm -hmm. even though that, that most of them, I think, on the surface are embraced by most people, mm -hmm. are you optimistic that, that there can be these swift 
enactment of, of these changes in some way, shape, or form? Well, I think there has to be, Jack. You know, honestly, I don't think we have a choice. I, and I think one of, the, one of the ideas behind, I'll say, the reorganization of the council, and, and I didn't have the opportunity to be on the council prior to the organization, is that we are going to be able to be a little more nimble and be able to react to things in maybe a more timely fashion than we have been historically. Uh, when you go back to everything being one school, one vote, uh, we have a representative from each conference uh, on the council, and so there's a voice from every level of, of the association or every level of the Division One association in that room. And so I don't think we have a choice but to uh, react quickly to things and get things put in place. I think one of the challenges that we're going to have to work through is to get a plan in place by August will be a tight timeline, but is is doable. I believe that. Where I think some of the challenges will come is we talked earlier about non-scholastic basketball. And if we're going to do all the things that I think really need to be encompassed into that to really make it a success, there's a lot that needs to happen from August to the following June to be ready. And so I think that's where some real challenges are going to uh, come for us. I don't think it's going to be as much in the getting the structure changed, I think, to where your question was at. I think it's going to be more to operationalizing that plan and how do we get the, the feet on the ground to really coordinate everything because again when we all leave the council meeting we all have other jobs to go back to i have to go back to the university of miami and make sure uh we're winning acc and ultimately national championships and competing in all those as do as do all my other uh council brethren and and there's only so many uh, on the staff here at at the nca and so i think there's going to be some resources that are needed to put into uh, these ideas to really make sure we're not only creating a plan but then we're executing that plan at the highest level. Last question for you. As you know, part of of the battle in terms of intercollegiate athletics at the membership level, the institution level, University of Miami, all the way up to the NCAA level, is a battle against perceptions, public perceptions that there's not a value to intercollegiate athletics, that that they've become essentially a mercenary experience, that they're not real student athletes. Um, And... And, and a lot of people have pointed to what has been playing out in college basketball and that's been revealed in the last few months. Do you think today, with, with the, the, these revelations, with the commission coming out saying, here's, here's what we have to say about the value of intercollegiate athletics, it's, it's marvelous, it needs to be preserved, but here's what we have to say about the problems and here's what we're offering as suggested proposals for remedies here. Do you think it's it's been a fairly good day in terms of fighting back against public perceptions? I think so. Uh, obviously, I'm, I'm probably biased in in in, in saying that, uh, but but I think so. Again, I, I think we. We've continued to improve the experience so much, and, and the recommendations that came from the commission today will improve uh, men's college basketball, I'm confident, and maybe ultimately uh, college athletics. Uh, but as an association, I think the thing we need to do, Jack, is is through um, opportunities like this is, is really tell the story. And so many times I think there's individuals out there that are telling a story that maybe isn't completely accurate. And so I think as an association, we have to do a better job of telling the story. We're going to make some significant changes here that will be better for young men in, in college basketball. But if I look back in just my, my short time as athletic director at, at Miami, which is going to be six years in October, it's we've made a number of changes along the way from cost of attendance to unlimited meals to all the different things that we're doing. And, and these are going to be changes 
organizationally and structurally to men's basketball that will help. We need to continue to tell those stories. Uh, again, recognizing I have a bias in, in how I look at this, uh, but I do think we're, we're making changes. We're making changes on a regular basis. These changes will help make the experience better, but it's not the end. We have to continue to look at how do we better the game? How do we better the experience of our student athletes? How do we better college athletics? And what has me excited is that opportunity every day to get up and figure out how do I better the University of Miami? And I think that carries over uh, across the association. And, and I think we have to just do a better job of really sharing those stories as to what it means to be a college athlete today. And then how do we continue to better that experience? Well, Blake, again, we appreciate your various perspectives on all of this, helping us to understand a little bit what's been taking place here. Thanks for spending some time with us. Great to be on with you. Again, our thanks to Blake James, the athletic director at the University of Miami. That does it for us for this edition of the College Sports Insider, presented by the NCAA and Champions Magazine. I'm Jack Ford. We will look forward to talking with you again real soon. 